0: And we've really taken it upon ourselves to feel like we have to have this ideal relationship with our children, or we're going to screw them up for life.
1: You're listening to the Mindful Mama podcast, episode number 368. Today we are talking about how you are not a shitty parent with Carla Nomberg. kids. Hello, dear listener. Hey, if you haven't done it yet, please hit that subscribe button so you never miss an episode. And if you get something from the Mindful Mama podcast, all please do me a favor. Go over to Apple Podcasts, leave us a rating and review. It just helps the podcast grow more, it takes like 30 seconds, and it just makes all the difference in the world. You are in for such a treat because today we are talking to my dear friend, Carla Nomberg, who is a PhD and LICSW, a clinical social worker and a mother, she's the author of five nonfiction books, including the international bestseller *How to Stop Losing Your Shit with Your Kids*. We're gonna be we're saying the words today, folks, as well as her new book *You Are Not a Shitty Parent* and. The forthcoming, How to Stop Freaking Out, the completely swear-free middle-grade adaptation of How to Stop Losing Your Shit with Your Kids. So if you have ever thought that you are a shitty parent, you are not alone. We're going to talk about how a combination of factors has led to this generation, us us folks, being pr- incredibly hard on ourselves. And Carla is an incredible author. She and I have also led workshops together in the past. And she's a great speaker. You're gonna love this episode. I want you to listen for some takeaways how, you know, how we are wired for comparison, how all of us, literally every single one of us, makes bad parenting decisions sometimes, and how we need to ask, what do I need? Really, really important questions. Now, if you are feeling like a shitty parent because you have been yelling and reactive, especially lately, I have resources for you. I am giving away my top two best tools to stop yelling, as well as the Mindful Parenting Roadmap for free. And you can pause this episode and get it right now at mindfulmamamentor.com slash stop yelling. So that's mindfulmamamentor.com slash stop yelling. Just sign up. You can get my top two best mind-body tools to stop yelling right now away. All right, let's do this, folks. Join me at the table as I talk to Carla Nomberg. The April 20th Mindful Parenting Retreat Day is filling up fast. Join me and other parents in Wilmington, Delaware for a day of rest and relaxation, mindfulness and mindful communication practices, and a live podcast too. And my special guest for the live podcast is, drumroll please. Lynetta Willis. You know her from episode 366 and 400. She is a psychologist and sought-after speaker who teaches her triggered to transformed program to struggling parents. Join us and bring a friend to this powerful day-long retreat in Wilmington, Delaware on April 20th, 2024. But hurry, space is limited. Go to mindfulmamamentor.com slash retreat to get your spot now. That's MindfulMamaMentor.com slash retreat. You wrote a new book that we're going to say the title. We're just going to say it. Yeah, well, you, I
0: mean, your, your
1: regular okay. guests, I haven't been on
0: a little while because, you know, COVID in life, but your regular guests should know that I'm a little bit of a potty mouth. So I think we should just say it. Are you going to say it or am I going to say it?
1: I think uh, you you say say the title.
0: Okay, because I'm the potty mouth. Yeah. The book is called You Are Not a Shitty Parent, How to Practice Self-Compassion and Give Yourself a Break. And it's going to be published on September 27th,
1: 2022. Woot, woot. woot. So so excited to have that out. I want come like out. background
0: noise. I want canned laughter. Yeah. I want yeah. clapping. I want all, oh, little fireworks. Can you do that, Hunter? Yeah. Are you fancy? Can you hear it? That's, wait, you just did that. I don't know if your listeners can hear that, but like she just,
1: she's magical. I I think it's on. I think it's on. I did clapping. We're in a new kind of studio that we can, I can do it. I can, I can have a laugh track as well, apparently. Wow. That's cool. I'm glad you heard it. That was my first test ever of my studio noises dear listener. If I had
0: access to a laugh track, I would laugh track myself all the time and it would be out of control. So I'm really glad I don't have that technology. Did you just laugh track me? (laughs) Yeah. Couldn't hear it, but I believe. See, she's actually laughing. So I don't need the laugh track people because Hunter is actually laughing. So I got like the real laughter.
1: Okay. All right. I'm going to stop. I'm going to stop with the media. I'm going to hide that away so I can't do it anymore. But Carla, I'm, <laughs> I'm so excited to talk to you. And, uh, you know, we talk about, we've talked about, we talk about compassion a lot of different ways here because I think it's so important. But I think that, I think that what I'd like to kind of dive in with you with is this idea of why do we feel so much pressure parenting pressure why do we feel like we're shitty parents what is going on that is just like pulling us deep into this this pit
0: oh hunter i am so happy you asked that question because this is one of my favorite things to talk about so for this book i made up a diagnosis this is not a syndrome like a, a syndrome that I made up, so it's not real, but it's my book, so I can put whatever I want in it. So I called it "Shitty Parent Syndrome," which is a thing that I think many, many parents of our generation struggle with. And so, let's talk about how did we get to this place where so many of us are are suffering and living with shitty parent syndrome. Oh, I should I should explain what it is first of all. Yes. Please. Um, it's the thought, belief, or perception that you are a shitty parent when in fact you are not. And this is the point at which you or your listeners might be thinking to yourselves, "Mm, but Carla, what if I actually am a Mm. shitty parent? Then am I suffering from shitty parent syndrome? And what I would say is you're not, you are not a terrible parent. And I don't even know you. And I feel really comfortable saying that. I'll tell you why. Mm. First of all, every parent makes terrible parenting choices. Every parent behaves in ways that aren't our best selves. Every parent interacts with our kids in ways that we feel, guilty about later that are less than ideal or whatever it is. And that doesn't make us terrible parents. That's just part of the deal. That's the package. That's the reality. That's like saying, I don't know, blaming yourself because gravity exists or something, right? Mm. So we all screw up. Now, some of you might be saying, okay, fine, fine. Maybe I can make mistakes and still be a good parent. But what about those parents that we've all heard of, or we all know who are like legitimately awful parents? Somebody, somebody out there is thinking this right now. Mm-hmm. the ones who have an addiction or there's some kind of abuse going on or neglect. And what I would say is, yeah, those are terrible parenting choices, but calling anyone a shitty parent, how does that help? That doesn't do anything. That's just a label that leaves someone feeling terrible that leaves them feeling stuck. And there's no off ramp from that. There's no clarity or path to healing or growth. There's nothing. It's just, okay, well you suck and good luck with that buddy. So what Mm -hmm. I prefer to think is that every single parent needs and can benefit from information, support, and resources we don't have, right? And some of us really need a lot more information, support, and resources. And so if you are a parent who's really struggling and judging yourself, we can talk about this later, but let's try to flip that narrative. You're not a terrible parent. You're just a parent who needs more support and information and resources than you have right now.
1: Yeah, I because I kind of what I'm hearing you say is like that we, you know, if if there's that, even if you're struggling massively, like even if you're struggling massively, like with addiction or incredible lack of resources or something like that, you're that that labeling, you know, that 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 labeling of yourself as a terrible parent as, uh, I'm no good. I'm useless. All of that. That is, that's just pulling us deeper down into a rabbit hole. That that's this like layer of judgment and recrimination that is just not even at in any way helpful.
0: Yeah. It just makes things worse. So let's not, let's not do that to ourselves or to each other. Right. Um, go ahead.
1: No, no, no. I mean, yeah. I mean, I like this idea that, you know, we may be a parent who's struggling, but regardless of how much we're struggling, it's really a matter of, do I need more information? Do I need more support? Do I need more resources? And I think that's so, I love this way of looking at it because I think this is so important because we live in a world where we don't get, I mean, we may be like overrun with information in some ways, but as far as support and resources we do, you know some of us don't have the information and a lot of us don't have a lot of us don't have support, and there are a lot of us that don't have resources either. You know where there we you know we are uh, the Homo sapiens evolved to to live in hunter gatherer tribes of sm- small tribes, right? Where everyone knew each other and we were supporting each other. And now we live in the, you know we're in this nuclear family where we don't have a tribe of people around us supporting us. And and like even human human beings wouldn't have even evolved to have like this extended period of care that human babies need if, if there wasn't this support like we bio, biologically neurologically evolved to have so much support and now we don't have that and I think that that I think is so important to, be, to look at these these pieces that support and resources piece
0: it's hugely important and you know as you mentioned the, the support piece just got worse during COVID because mm-hmm. we were all stuck inside our houses and unsure of when we could leave and who we could spend time with. And, you know, while there were some silver linings in terms of certain communities being accessible online that weren't before online's never as good as in person. It's just not. And, and also when I'm talking about resources, I'm not just talking about external resources like money or health insurance or healthcare or family or educational systems. I'm also talking about internal resources, right? We all come to parenting with different levels of energy, of mental health and mental illness and mental wellness, of um, an understanding of kids and how they work, the ability to stay patient with them. We all come with these varying levels of internal resources. And I have, I have a friend, she has four kids and I've never seen her lose her temper with her children. And she's got this like internal stability and patience and calmness. that's just inherent to who she is that, I don't understand at all, Hunter. It's like, so not who I am, right? Like I'm like one giant button just waiting to be pushed. And she doesn't seem to have any kid sized buttons at all. And I don't, she's amazing. She's amazing. So we all have these varying levels, right? Of these external and internal resources. And there's so many factors that go into that. It's genetics. It's how we were raised. It's, you know, the fit between ourselves and our children. And some kids are a better fit for their parents than other kids. And there's, there's just a million factors that go into that. And so that's why I really don't think of anyone as a shitty parent. It's just, I don't, I don't think that way at all, except when I used to think that way about myself.
1: Okay. So let's go there to where you, you thought that way about yourself. You had a couple of resources, I know, because maybe you didn't have that, that like calm resource being <laughs> just like me. I can kind of relate to that, that, that temper, but, yeah. um, but you know, you, you know, you live a comfortable life, you know, you have a parenting partner, Um, you know, you live in a a Western, a a comfortable Western uh, city, you know, in New England, all the, you know, you had some resources, but yet you were calling yourself a shitty parent. So what, can you take us back to that place and what was happening for you then? Stay tuned for more Mindful Mama podcasts right after this break. We are supported by KiwiCo. I love watching my daughters do their KiwiCo crates. That They loved, loved their Kiwi crates. They get so excited every month when the box would come. I remember Sora making the giant hand claw and just being so psyched about like grabbing things with the claw. And she did it. All by herself. I love KiwiCo so much because what we learn at a young age sticks with us through adulthood. And that's why fostering a love of learning for our children is so important. So why not make it fun? Kids are primed to learn by having fun. They learn the most by having fun. And that's what I. one of the things I love about KiwiCo. KiwiCo is defining the future of play by making it engaging, enriching, and seriously entertaining. And they learn so much so what is it your child can get super cool hands-on science art and geography projects delivered to their tour every month like my kids i'll be so excited to see them in the mail and you'll be surprised at how high quality the materials are too these are real engineering science and art projects You cultivate your child's natural creativity. They'll explore new worlds without even leaving home, right? They can discover the science of magic to engineering, a domino machine, all kinds of things. And they get this incredible moment of pride and accomplishment at the end of a KiwiCo project that just sparks this confidence for ongoing tinkering and experimentation. So do your part to encourage your children to be innovators and creative thinkers. You won't believe what they can build and accomplish with KiwiCo. Spark that love of learning today with a KiwiCo subscription. Get 50% off your first month plus free shipping on any crate line with the code hunter at KiwiCo.com. That's 50% off your first month. It's a great deal. 50% off your first month at K-I-W-I-C-O.com promo code hunter.
0: Yeah. So let's let's microscope out a little bit, because I realized you asked a really important question, Hunter, at the top of this Mm. that we didn't get to that is directly related to what we're talking about right now, which is why do we parents think about ourselves as shitty parents? Mm. Why are we all suffering from this syndrome that I totally made up? So I think there's a few reasons. One is we're wired to do this. Like you talked about way back when, when we lived in small villages. Well, let's go back even farther to the development of sort of the human brain And, you know, the number one uh, purpose of our brain is to keep us alive. It's not to think clearly. It's not to make good life choices. It is to keep us alive, right? And so this part of our brain developed to be constantly on the lookout for threats and problems and to remember them and anticipate them so we can stay alive. So the human brain that saw the squiggly thing on the ground and decided it was a snake and jumped back was more likely to continue to stay alive, not get killed by the snake and pass along their uptight, judgmental, super freaked out temperament, right? (laughs) Their genetic material. Then those parents who looked at this squiggly thing on the ground were like, oh, that's a stick. I'm totally going to pick it up. And then they got bit by a snake and then they died. Mm -hmm. So we're sort of wired to look out for the bad stuff that happens in life. And the problem is, that part of our brain is is pretty simple. It's not super discriminating. And so it's ready to judge everything, even when the things it's judging have nothing to do with whether or not we're going to survive a situation. Mm-hmm. So we're kind of wired to judge ourselves, right? To look out for the negative. It's just how the brain works. The other thing is that we're wired for comparison because as you pointed out, Hunter, for so long and still now, we need community. But way back when, we really needed our little village cave people happy family, to keep us alive. And one of the best ways to stay connected to your community is to constantly be gauging what other people are doing and make sure you're fitting in in a good place. Because if you're not, if you're doing too much or you're doing too little, what if you get kicked out of the tribe, right? Mm-hmm. So it's really a safety mechanism. But it used to be that we would compare ourselves, <clears throat> excuse me, to members of our community who who generally speaking lived near us and had access to similar resources and ideas and traditions as we did. And I'm I'm not, I don't want to glamorize or glorify the good old days when, you know, it was all about keeping up with the Joneses who lived next door to you, but there is something to be said about having a more constricted range of comparison because what's happening now is that we're comparing ourselves to celebrities and uber wealthy people who we see online and they have unlimited resources and a whole different like world, right? Or we're comparing ourselves to parents in completely different cultures. French parents do it better. Asian parents do it better. Indigenous parents do it better. And well, maybe, but they're also living in a totally different world. So Mm
1: -hmm.
0: I think that leaves us feeling worse about parenting. Social media, of course, like we could go on all day about the impact of social media and reality television on our own view of ourselves. And we it's so easy to forget. I forget this all the time that we're comparing our worst moments, our internal experience to their best moments, their highly curated experience. And if you go by social media, you know, everybody had amazing summer vacations and no kids ever lost their shit or threw up or, you know, (laughs) peed on the train or like I just look at these pictures and I have to remind myself that nobody had a perfect summer vacation. Right. And yet it's hard. It's hard to remember that. Um, And then there's one more reason why I think we're all suffering from shitty parent syndrome. So I would argue that we are the first generation of parents who has been told that it is incumbent upon us, to have a super healthy, solid, flexible, warm, forgiving, all the things perfect relationship with our children. And I'm not saying that previous parents didn't care about their relationship with their children. What I am saying is that for the first time, it has gotten into the popular parenting vernacular that our attachment to our children, and I'm not talking about attachment parenting here. That's something different. I'm just saying that the nature of our relationship with our children is a determinant of the future relationships they will have, right? Mm. So this is a thing that we parents are being told really for the first time, I would argue in the history of humanity. In the past, it was like, oh, keep your kid alive so they can you know, run the blacksmith shop or become a nurse or a doctor like you were. But really it was kind of a financial investment. And as, as Jennifer Senior, the author of All Fun and No Joy, one of my favorite sort of books about parenting says, now it's really an emotional investment And we've really taken it upon ourselves to feel like we have to have this ideal relationship with our children or we're going to screw them up for life. And, oh, my gosh, Hunter, that's, first of all, not true, but second of all, completely overwhelming. All of a sudden you have this creature living in your house that you didn't necessarily pick. I mean, even if you chose to have babies, right? Like I chose my husband because I like his temperament. We get along well and he's funny and he makes me laugh and he generally doesn't annoy the crap out of me. And fortunately that's mostly true with my kids, but what if you got a kid who's not like that? What if you got mm-hmm. a kid whose temperament is really hard for you, right? Mm-hmm. And you're supposed to have this perfect relationship with your, with them. Oof. So all these things kind of conspire, I think, to leave us feeling like really crappy parents. Now I had all that going on for me when I was an, um, a, a newer parent, But the one factor that I also had going on that I didn't realize at the time was I had a whopping case of postpartum anxiety. Mm. And I'm a clinical social worker and I went years before I realized that was what was going on for me. And one of the things many parents don't realize, many people don't realize is that irritability is a symptom of anxiety. We usually Mm. think that anxiety is just about worry or fear and irritability can be a huge um, symptom. And for me, it definitely was. And so, I was incredibly irritable with my kids. I was losing it with them all the time, and it's not hard to make the leap from losing your temper with your kids a lot to thinking you're a bad parent, right yeah, I
1: know yeah, I know
0: from... so that was that that's my that's my little soapbox stance huh. about why we're all suffering from crappy parent syndrome
1: it It's fascinating because like in a way, you know that's like psychology right is a new science and or and it's, you know, I remember going to college and finally taking my first psychology class and then learning about attachment and being like, Oh my gosh, you know it was, it's all my parents it's because mom mom went away when I was sixteen. Oh weeks we old. love the parent. we love
0: the mom shaming. It's all about the mom shaming. That drives me banana pants.
1: I know. And but yeah, I mean now we I mean we are a generation of people who are looking at our own psychology. We're looking at the different the differences in the way we relate to other people, and then we're relating back to our upbringing. And that is, that is putting this pressure. I mean, I imagine for you, even as a social worker, you felt like you had more pressure on yourself. I mean, like there are people who come into mindful parenting who are like kindergarten teachers or or social workers or, you know, child development experts. And they're like, I should know this. I should be able to keep my temper i should be you know this all this like shooting all over themselves because of um because of because of your you know what you should know and, and that that's like your your nervous system doesn't care what you already know in some ways Your nervous
0: system does not care it really does not care it's also yes hunter it is an incredibly humbling experience to have just finished a doctorate in clinical social work and sit down at your computer and literally type into google how do i stop yelling at my kids right that was a rough mm-hmm. moment, um and parent, you think you know lots of us myself included, think that if we had younger siblings or hung out with our cousins or did a lot of babysitting that we're ready for our own kids, and just because you know how to change a diaper doesn't mean you are ready for the massive um, internal shift that happens in our bodies and our minds and our psychology and our emotional state and all the things. Um, and if you happen to be the bio birth parent, if you happen to be the one who gave birth to the baby too, then it just like, you know, whatever destroys your body, but that's a different story. Um, yeah. I mean, to all you expecting parents, it's a beautiful experience <laughs> out there and it is the you know, not natural listening. cycle. <laughs> Good, don't listen to me, parents. If you haven't don't had listen. your baby yet, do not listen to me we talk.
1: Um, we'll, put, we'll put that in the warning <laughs> in the beginning, along with the expletive. <laughs> do not listen if you have not already had kids. <laughs> oh <God>. Um <laughs> Uh, But, but yeah, it's
0: just, it's, it's, it's hard when you have your own kids. It's a whole different level of, uh, internal pressure, unrealistic expectations, uh, for many of us, overwhelming anxiety. And if you are a parent who did not suffer from anxiety, then God bless you. That's amazing. Stick with that plan. That's a better plan. Not anxiety is actually a better plan than anxiety. That's my deep thought for the day, Hunter
1: that's interesting though cuz i had so much irritability and i definitely i i'm sure i felt anxious I, you know i probably could have had postpartum anxiety that was never diagnosed as well i mean i don't know but anyway I, i'm right there with you with the irritability and the frustration and the fear of oh my god this small human being and i'm gonna mess up this human no, being small terrifying
0: those little <laughs> things they i remember being in the hospital just scared out of my mind and the nurse is like oh it's fine and she's like throwing the baby around and i'm like what the oh hell is God. happening here how are you not breaking that thing and they're hardy they're little p- creatures though
1: I feel like poor, the first baby, like it's the whole thing. Like they, you read all this stuff about like how the first three years is like this incredibly important years for imprinting and the brain and all this stuff. And then you're just like, oh my God. And you have no idea because no one takes classes and you, no one, no, you know, you've never done this before. You're totally in shock. And then those, those second babies, they, well, they have to contend with an older sibling, but man, I feel like they've got it the better road as far as it goes with their parents, most of the part time. But so this is
0: Hunter, this is actually a perfect transition <laughs> to the thing I would like to discuss with you today, which is self-compassion. And, mm-hmm. you know, whether it's, it's the first baby who you feel like, you know, you totally screwed up with or the second baby who, you know, you feel like isn't getting enough attention or whatever it is, you are going to be an imperfect parent. I am an imperfect parent. We're all imperfect parents. And, Sometimes we can do a little better. And often we just need to have so much compassion for ourselves. So, so much, especially when we're living through the nightmare of a global pandemic or whatever it is, we just have to hold ourselves and treat ourselves with grace and kindness and acceptance and all the things. And man, that is so easy to say and so stinking hard to do.
1: Stay tuned for more Mindful Mama podcast right after this break. We are supported by Thrive Cosmetics, high-performance beauty and skincare products made with clean, skin-loving ingredients with no parabens, sulfates, phthalates, 100% vegan, and cruelty-free. And the name causes is in the name for a reason, because every purchase supports organizations that help women and communities thrive. Listen, I love Thrive Cosmetics. I use products are so good i use the brilliant eye brightener almost every single day so i have this uh, the aurora rose gold color it looks so good on every kind of skin put it right over like the lids right under the lids right in the corner of the eye and it's like oh my gosh it's like you've had this awakening and you just look bright and awake and healthy. I love it so, so much. And I'm obsessed. I use literally daily the Liquid Lash Extensions Mascara. It's this incredible best-selling product, has more than 20,000 five-star reviews, and it just really kind of mimics the look of lash extensions with no like glue or anything like that, right? And it's it has super easy to remove this tubing formula just slides right off with warm water and a washcloth. You don't even need soap. And they have incredible skincare products. They have this Define Gravity Eye Lifting Cream that instantly lifts, tightens and brightens the skin around your eyes with line smoothing hydration, which I have now obsessed about. <laughs> it just fights signs of stress and aging and dullness. It's like a beauty sleep in a bottle. I love Thrive Cosmetics because... The products are amazing, but the Bigger Than Beauty mission just really resonates with me. It, you know, For every product purchased, Thrive Cosmetics donates to help communities thrive, and they have over 300 giving partners across the country. They support a whole bunch of different causes. Now is a great time to try Thrive Cosmetics for yourself. Right now, you can get 15% off your first order when you visit thrivecosmetics.com slash hunter. And I'm not just saying it in a Boston accent. That's Thrive Cosmetics, dot com slash Hunter for 15% off your first order. It's not something we were, that was modeled for us a lot. I mean, I feel like, at least in my family, like there's a lot of like, kind of, I got a lot, there's some hard assness, you know, not, mom, I love you. It's. It, it i mean <laughs> hi mom hi hunter's mom we love you <laughs> my mom was actually like well you know actually when i was sick my dad was the most compassionate one he was very very compassionate when he was sick cuz poor mom was a is a, was a nurse and so she was just like compassion fatigue by the time it got to my you know whiny little 7-year-old tummy ache or whatever it was you know <laughs> but um but i think that this it's not something that was passed down through generations like there were certainly very little compassion shown to, you know, as far as I know, to, you know, to, to my father, as far as the the way from what the stories I've heard of how, you know, he was parented, there was a lot of, if, if you do X behavior, you will get yelled at, or you will get hit, right, in, in past generations. So, and I don't think that, and there's, we live in a very judgmental culture too. you know, it's a very, we're very hard on ourselves. I think that, it's not something that's that comes naturally, at least to people in the U.S., is like compassion for ourselves.
0: This is so not a Western thing. And um, no, for sure. I didn't grow up with this and my parents didn't grow up with it and their parents didn't grow up with it. So we're not, we're, mm-hmm. this is not about generational shaming. I, I tend to think of compassion like a language. And if you didn't grow up with people speaking it to you, you're not going to know how to speak it, right? And my parents didn't know about it. And really, it's not until a few years ago that it was part of kind of common lingo or at least common lingo amongst us social work parenting nerds. But, um, you know, Kristen Neff and Christopher Germer and Susan Pollack and you and other parenting people uh, and psychologists and clinicians and researchers are now talking about this and it's huge. It's, it's been a game changer for me, but again um, it's definitely not a language I grew up thinking. And after spending what, four decades judging the crap out of myself? My little judgment neurons are like firing on all cylinders. Like, that's my native language. That's what I default to when I'm stressed and I have to work hard. And it's taking a lot of practice and a lot of trips to the language lab of compassion. That's like the dorkiest thing I've ever said. I'm loving it. <laughs> um, like, practicing this new language to get to the point where it's starting to come naturally to me, right? But it's hard, it's not an easy thing to do.
1: I, I agree. And I, I really like that analogy of a native language versus a language that you're learning, because you may understand it intellectually, but then to get it to come out of your mouth and off your uh. tongue is like a whole, whole different scenario. And especially if you're not immersed in it, in, uh, uh, you know, the culture of, of where people speak that language. And when we don't, we're certainly not immersed in that culture here and now
0: no not at all and uh if if you were to sort of like nail me down and make me say or make me choose the one practice or idea or skill or strategy that has been the most powerful in parenting um it's got to be self-compassion and I feel I feel so cheesy saying that you know, it feels really cheesy to me. I'm such a snarky person to get on you here are. and be like, mm, "Self compassion <laughs> is really my jam." It's it's uh, it's weird, but it's true. It's like my it's like my daughter's favorite National Geographic books, the like gross but true facts. That's how I feel. It's weird, but it's true. That like, really, this it's like it's become uh, foundational for me.
1: I agree completely. I talk about mindfulness a lot and in mindful parenting, we talk about mindfulness, we talk about self-compassion, but self-compassion underlies every single skill or thing we teach there because, and I'll, I'll let you explain this because you're, I'm the one interviewing you today, so, but I want to hear about this because it, 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 tell us, tell us why this is so foundational.
0: This is such a good question. Okay. Okay. Here's what I'm going
1: to say for me, mindfulness
0: feels like this North star, like my being in a mindful, a state of mindful awareness feels like something I'm always reaching towards, but I'm never, I'm never going to get there. Like not in any sort of permanent way. I'm just not, but it's when I don't know where to go, I can kind of turn to mindfulness. I can turn to the present moment. I can turn to this awareness, but inevitably I, I don't want to use this word. The word that comes to mind is fail, but it's not really failing. I, I'm led astray. I get distracted. My thoughts careen all over the place, and self-compassion feels like the solid ground, Mm -hmm. right? That I can always Mm -hmm. come back to. So, when I make a mistake, oh yeah, (laughs) was this a deep thought? Am I having a really deep thought?
1: There's clapping.
0: Oh, there's clapping. Oh my God, turn up the clapping. Yes, I got the clapping. The audience okay, better sorry. hear it. That's I think amazing. That, I
1: hope so. I yeah, hope so it. Yeah, so
0: I, um, but self compassion really does feel like the solid ground. Like when I have lost sight of that North Star, when I've totally made a mistake, when I've said things I regret, when I hit send on a message I shouldn't have sent, when I snap at my kids, when I start beating myself up for all these. I mean, how mm-hmm. easy. Let's just take a minute, Hunter. Without even thinking about it, my brain instantly could roll off all these things I do wrong. Right. Cause mm-hmm. I'm so good at thinking that way. Cause I've been practicing it for so long and self compassion like you can get so easily swept away in that sea of, of terrible thoughts of really shamey, blamey thoughts and, and self-compassion, just this awareness that I'm doing it. This reminder that it's just part of human nature. It doesn't mean there's anything inherently wrong with me. It's what we all do remembering that parenting is hard for everyone, no matter how good you look on Instagram, no matter how many parenting books you've written, parenting is hard mm-hmm. for all of us. Yes. And knowing that I can make mistakes and still be a good parent and I can screw up in pretty significant ways and still have a relationship with my kids and still be connected with them. That's, that's the solid ground. I can't, you know, I don't, I don't know where else to go from there.
1: And the paradox, dear listener, for you, if you're like, oh, that's nice, but I don't want to make tons of mistakes with my kids and be compassionate with (laughs) myself, if you're you're listening to this and saying that, is that the the paradox of self-compassion is that as we practice to be kinder to ourselves, as we practice to give ourselves more understanding and grace when we inevitably do mess up, because we will it becomes we soften a little and the paradox is that parenting does become a little easier when we are judging ourselves less we're less we're holding we're we're just softening we're not holding as tightly we're we're able to give more compassion to our kids we're able to have greater perspective all of those things that we need to be able to relate in a more positive manner with our kids, they come from starting with ourselves and offering ourselves this soft landing, this grace when we do mess up. Would you agree with that, Carla?
0: I think you should give yourself a laugh, not a laugh,
1: a clap track, not no, the laugh
0: track. track, the clap <laughs> track. I was trying to be all serious there and I screwed it up. Clap track. Yes, 100%. Hunter, look, here, here's how I think about it. Um, I 100% agree with every single thing you just said. And When, okay, let's talk about, so I've had a bad moment. Maybe I've had a a sort of prickly, brutal interaction with my teenager and we've snapped at each other and it's like, not, not the way I want to be with her. So instead of either like berating myself for being such a crappy parent or like running to Amazon and searching for books on how to parent teenagers or calling up my friend and talking relentlessly about how much I'm screwing, screwing up parenting I just take a moment, okay? And here's what I do. And it's become, for for a long time, it felt like a struggle. It was hard to do it. It felt weird. I felt like I was Stuart Smiley from Saturday Night Live, sitting myself in front of that stupid mirror, being like, I'm good enough, I'm smart enough, and gosh darn it, people like me, but that's not what this is. So I take a moment, I take a few deep breaths, and I just remind myself, parenting is hard. And just because it's hard doesn't mean I'm doing it wrong, right? Mm. This is part of the deal. Wait, 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 say
1: that again. Say that exactly what you just said again.
0: Okay and then I want a clap track. Parenting is hard. And just because it's hard doesn't mean you're doing it wrong. It's like a marathon. We say parenting is like a marathon, right? Well, if somebody ran a marathon and got to the end of it and was like, oh, that was really hard. You wouldn't be like, oh, you totally screwed it up because marathon should be super easy. You'd be like, yeah, it's a freaking marathon, dude. Of course it's hard, right? Parenting. It is hard. It is hard. It is always hard. It's hard.
1: Deep thoughts. So- no, 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 and and I I did try to put a I put cheering behind you. So yeah, I'm I, want just cheer. Gonna, <laughs> I want the cheering? I want the cheering. But so- Carlos' of saying that I I want to read what you said because I hope they could hear it behind the cheering that I messed up and then tried to stop, um, which is that it is a marathon. It is. It's not a sprint. It's a marathon. And that and that no one's gonna you know laugh at you and say that oh you know marathons are easy. It's incredibly hard. But here's the thing is that
0: popular culture and social media would have us believe that if you are parenting well, it should be easy, Mm. right? I mean, I am obsessed with this reality show because I'm obsessed with reality shows about this family that has like 16 kids and in every episode – they never yell at their children. The dad's like happily making dinner and all the kids are involved and they're all like happy around the counter. And I'm like, dear God, man, you look so freaking happy, but you have to cook for 16 people every stinking night. And the kids are like happily involved and nobody's screaming and nobody's throwing tantrums and nobody's throwing flour. And the mom isn't in the corner, like sobbing and questioning all her life choices. Like she never does that. And so the message you get from this is that if you are a good parent, it's going to be easy. And that is total baloney. It's not Mm -hmm. true. But, and Mm -hmm. and the other message we get is that if it's not easy, it's because we parents haven't worked hard enough to find the right strategy or the right expert or the right solution. And that drives me. Do you hear my voice, Hunter? I'm getting very agitated here because that drives me nuts. It's just not true. Parenting is always hard. It's hard in different ways, different people and at different times like I have friends who love having toddlers and I thought having toddlers was a total nightmare and I love having teenagers and I have friends who think teenagers are the worst right and it's it's hard in different ways for all of us but parenting is hard okay Mm. and so it used to be that in those really painful hard moments for me I was like so this moment was horrible and it's clearly because I suck Mm. and now the story I tell myself And some days I believe it more than others, but I always remind myself is that this moment was hard because parenting is hard and life, man, Hunter, look, I am grateful every day that I have a roof over my head, as you pointed out, that we have enough food to eat, that you know, we have access to health insurance and healthcare and all the things. And I am aware that there are millions of people around this globe who don't have that. So I just want to take a moment, acknowledge that, but I don't care what resources you have. Life is hard right now right? There's this pandemic, there's Mm -hmm. transitioning out of the pandemic, there's politics and climate change and all the things, and it is so stinking hard. And so what I try to remind myself, again, snippy moment with my teenage daughter, I take my deep breaths. I remind myself that I'm not alone in how hard this is. It's hard for everyone, just because it's hard doesn't mean I'm doing it wrong. And then I try to get curious with myself. What do I need? Do I need to pee? Hmm. Have I not peed in like four hours? Cause really I've had two children and I'm a middle-aged woman. So I need to pee every 45 minutes. Let's be honest. But like, <laughs> what's going on there? Am I hungry? Am I worried about work deadlines? Am I stressed about a bill I thought I paid, but I didn't? Is it like, is my toenail hurting? My toenails hurt sometimes. That's annoying. Are there family conflicts that I'm worried about? Is there something going on with my daughter's school that's unresolved? Like what What's the bigger picture? What do I need? What's going on with my kids? What do they need? And then I try to listen and take myself seriously. So if mm-hmm. the answer I get is I need a freaking break. Well, is there some way I can give myself a break for a few minutes? Can I say to my kids, "Yeah, you can have an hour of screen time I wasn't planning on giving you, but I'm so freaking depleted I have nothing to offer." Or can I say to my parenting partner cuz I'm I'm fortunate I have a parenting partner, can I say to him, can you tag in here? Cause I can't, I can't do this right now. You know, I need to go sit and stare at the wall for a while. I need to go wander the aisles of Staples, which is absolutely my happy place. And if they would like to start paying me for saying this, I would be really happy Staples for you to pay me for this. There is something about office supplies, Hunter. They're just so relaxing. If I find the perfect notebook, I swear to you, Hunter, (laughs) when I find the perfect notebook, my life will be amazing. That is the message of this podcast. (laughs) Anyways, the point is, what
1: do I, I try mean? to get
0: curious about what I need and I try to take myself seriously. And mm-hmm. if I'm really suffering and I can't come up with any of this, then I call my native compassion speakers. I call my sister. I call my friends. I call the people in my life who are going to speak to me in that language of compassion when I can't mm-hmm. summon it myself, which happens sometimes it happens to all of us.
1: Yeah. And, and then I'm...
0: when I do all that, I am calmer. I can see the situation mm-hmm. more clearly because I'm not, caught in this swirl of like self-contempt, I can have more confidence as a parent. You know, when you're not constantly beating yourself up, you feel more confident. And I am more competent. These are my two words that sound the same, confident and competent. And when you can see things clearly and you can parent from a place of calm confidence, you're going to be a more effective parent. It's just what it is. And even if you don't have the right answer, that's okay. There's no right answer. I don't have it. I mean, I don't know who has it, but it's going to be more effective empathic parenting.
1: Yay! I, I mean, I couldn't agree more. I, I love the way you talked. You gave this beautiful example of how this works, right? Of how this, this practice, which it can feel uncomfortable and it can feel like a foreign language, and it, and it can feel like strange and weird at first how this practice as we start to speak this language can make a help us to recover get back on our feet have that ground beneath us to then begin anew to begin again right because it's Uh, we're always just you know it's like we, we we're gonna fall down and we have to have processes and practices to help us get back on our feet and begin again and open our eyes and see clearly and let that storm pass, whatever that is. You know, it's, um, I, I I really like how you explained that. You did it very beautifully, Carla.
0: Thank you. And, and you know, the other thing that I think about Hunter is that um, I am the mother of two daughters, as I know you are as well. And I can't speak about the male experience because I'm, I'm not a man and I don't have sons. And, um, but I know that women, we really tend to beat ourselves up and blame ourselves. And I'm sure men do too. i this is a human experience, but the other day, I, I screwed something up. I don't know what it was. It doesn't matter. Um, and one of my girls looked at me and she said, mom, it's okay. We all make mistakes. <laughs> and I was having one of those emotionally unhinged days, Hunter, that I have from time to time. I almost burst into tears because I was so grateful to hear those words just flow out of her mouth. We all make mistakes. And I was like, amen, child. And how I wish I had grown up speaking that language. So I know that my daughters are growing up in a world of judgment and comparison and all the enemies of joy. But I'm hoping that with this practice that I am, that I'm doing imperfectly, but I'm, I'm not giving up that, you know, my self-compassion practice. And that when my daughters hear me talk myself through a difficult moment with compassion, and when I try so hard to talk them through difficult moments with compassion, I I think they're starting to learn this language a little bit. And that's, that feels like a real gift that maybe Uh, you and I and everybody else practicing mindful parenting and practicing compassion can start to raise some native speakers, which I think would be amazing.
1: I'm not going to overuse the applause and do it again, (laughs) but that's what I would do right here, right now, because I think that is exactly that, like, that idea that we can raise these native speakers. So I just want to go over what Carla said, um, just to, to recap for the listener, that this practice was to To maybe rec- to recognize how you're feeling, right? To be aware of, like, oh, I'm feeling overwhelmed. I'm feeling I just did something that I didn't like. I'm hearing myself maybe think, you know, recriminating thoughts. And so that's when you take that moment. You just and it, sometimes it doesn't take a lot of time. It, and as you practice, it takes less time. It really doesn't take that long. But you take a moment, I mean, and for me, I, I put that hand to my heart because that for the me, the touch really matters a lot. But just that acknowledgement of like that basically that's mindful awareness. Oh, like this is happening right now. I'm feeling like a shitty parent because of X, y, or Z, right? And then the, also she, there was that acknowledgement of this is hard. This is a moment of suffering, right? Acknowledging that I'm feeling this difficult feeling and this is hard. She also acknowledged that, like that, you know, it's hard for all of us. Like being a human being is hard, parenting is incredibly hard. This is really hard, and and then what? And then that coming to that that place of kindness, like you know, how can I how can I offer myself some kind words, or and if I can't, can I reach out to somebody else who can? Is that a good summary for you, Carla? I
0: yes, I love that, and what I want to point out to our listeners and one of the reasons I love being friends with Hunter and I love learning from Hunter and coming on her podcast is she and I have such dramatically different ways of practicing this dramatically. I don't know if it's dramatic, but we have different ways of practicing this. Right. And I won't even lie, Hunter. The first time I was in a mindfulness-based stress reduction course and we were learning about loving kindness, I like almost threw up in my mouth because I was like, this is so (laughs) freaking cheesy. I can't handle it. Do not talk to me about happy wishes, people. I need a plan. I need a life plan. I need a plan. And happy wishes are not my plan. Oh, how I have how the mighty have fallen. What am I saying? I don't know. But really, I've come to understand and obviously sing the praises of self-compassion. But what I will tell you is that I love that Hunter pointed out that she actually does put her hand on her heart, which is um, a practice that many people do and many people teach. And to be honest, it's so not resonant with me. It doesn't, like, it's not meaningful. I feel cheesy. It totally doesn't work. And what I encourage your listeners to do is find your authentic way of speaking this language, right? Mm -hmm. It's going to look a little different for everyone, but the fundamental ideas behind it about connecting with what Kristin Neff calls common humanity, which is this reminder that you're not alone. No matter what your suffering is, I promise you, you're not alone. This real sense of curiosity about what's going on, about what you need, and then treating yourself with kindness. Those are sort of the fundamental aspects and and this mindful awareness. These are the fundamental aspects of um, compassion and practice them in the way that is authentic to you, right? So- use Hunter's words. Use my words. Use Bluey's words. Bluey's parents. Oh my God. Do you know about Bluey Hunter?
1: No. I mean, I think I've heard of Bluey. This is the most, oh,
0: it is this Australian animated show for preschoolers. And each episode is like six minutes long. And if you just want to feel better about humanity, go on YouTube, Google Bluey, sit and watch it. I made my teenage girls watch it. At first they were kind of horrified. And then they were like, this is pretty awesome. And I was like, yeah, it is. (laughs) Take the words, you know, if you want to take the words from Mr. Rogers, like I don't care where you find your native speaker of compassion, but as long as you have these fundamental aspects of connection, curiosity, kindness, you can't, you can't do wrong, but you need to speak it in a way that you can, that feels authentic to you
1: if it doesn't feel authentic right away, that's normal too, right? Like it's normal for this to feel feel weird. And especially maybe if you're like a snarky uh, person who's allergic to loving kindness, right? (laughs) Yeah, for sure.
0: So there's this loving kindness meditation, right? And the first, which I think is, it is literally going to the language lab. To learn a new language, right? Because the first time I tried to practice self-compassion, I'd come home from my mindfulness-based stress reduction course. And I was like, this is stupid, but I don't know what to do. So I'm going to do it. And I was like, oh, I just had a terrible moment. I was supposed to be nice to myself. And then I literally had no words, Hunter. I couldn't, like, I'm a nice person. I've been nice to other people a lot. And when it was time, how sad is this, right? How sad is this? Now we're going to be all wah, wah, wah. When it was time to be nice to myself, she's looking, I can see what I'm looking, I'm totally at she's looking, looking for, me. like the sad voice.
1: I only have a drum roll left, so I'm sorry. I
0: don't no. think we should do a drum roll. No. So this is like sad <laughs> panda time that I I literally couldn't find words to to console myself in a painful moment. And so um, I was like, oh, fine, I'll do the stupid loving kindness because I am, in case any of this has escaped your listeners, I am a petulant child at heart. So I I found these other words and I was like, oh, may I, whatever, what? and so, But then eventually I found them and, and I was walking around sort of saying to myself, may I be happy, may I be healthy, may I be safe, may I live with ease. Those are my words. Everybody's words are a little different. You can Hunter's got all sorts of words for you. Go to Hunter's words. She's got all the words. She'll tell you where to get them. But there's lots of different ways to practice loving kindness, but literally... That's what you're doing. You're practicing. It's like going to the golfing course and hitting the ball over and over again until you can, you can do it without it feeling so hard. And so I was like walking up and down the street being like happy, healthy, safe, live with ease. May I be happy? May I be healthy? May I be safe? Live with ease? And I was like, what is the point of this? But then in the hard moment, all of a sudden I was like, I just need a little ease right now. And that word came to me and it was like a start. So I was practicing when it was easy because you can't practice things in the middle of chaos. It doesn't work. And then in the chaotic moment, I was like, I just want to live with ease. And what would, what would help me do that right now? So that was, that was my entry. And if you walk around saying to yourself, parenting is hard for everyone and it's okay that it's hard. And you just repeat that to yourself a million times. That's fine too. So you're right, Hunter. Um, It's not going to feel authentic at first. And if it does for you, that's great. But if it doesn't, that's normal. So try out a bunch of stuff, right? Try putting your hand over your heart. Try giving yourself a hug. Try um, having maybe a beaded bracelet or a necklace that somehow reminds you, like a physical touchstone that reminds you to have some kindness and forgiveness and acceptance. There's a bunch of different ideas out there. Um, And so I have a ton in my book, Hunter's Got Ideas. But there's a lot of different ways to sort of sneak into this, and then you just need to keep doing it, and eventually it will feel more authentic and normal, and you'll be able to speak this language fluently.
1: All right. Last time. Yay! Clap track for Hunter! Clap track for Carla! Yay. Carla, She's giving herself um, a round of
0: applause, people.
1: <laughs> I'm Maybe so excited. Me. I I love your book. You are not a shitty parent. I blurbed it and got to check it out before everyone else in the world. I was very Best lucky. Best blurb um, and, <laughs> and I encourage you to go get it, uh, dear listener. And it can be found everywhere books are sold um, when this it's comes out. It's available for it, pre-order
0: it, until September it, 27th. And then it hits shelves on September 27th.
1: Carla, thank you so much for coming on the Mindful Mama podcast. Again, you know, returning guest extraordinaire. And um, thank you for doing this work and being the great, hilarious writer that you are and relatable in all the different ways, which I really love. Um, Where can people reach out to you and talk to you more about your your Uh, books? So people
0: can find out more about me on my website, which is carlanomberg.com. And Hunter, I just want to take this moment to thank you for all the wise kind loving skillful advice and support you offer to parents we need to like clone you i want a lot more of you out there talking to parents so that's our next activity hunter cloning
1: as my not creepy say. <laughs> oh wait what did your daughter say she says she used to say when she's little, you have received an eye roll mommy
0: <laughs> wait did you just eye roll me hunter <laughs> Oh my gosh. My daughter used to stand in front of the mirror and practice rolling her eyes.
1: Oh, which is really did. hard to do
0: because you can't true. see yourself rolling your eyes when you're rolling oh, yeah, your eyes. Yeah, yeah, because I guess you're, you're looking away. Trying.
1: You know. Yeah. That's hilarious. Dear no, listeners. Thank you, Carla.
0: Hunter just eye rolled me. <laughs> Let's just acknowledge that. I'm still treating her with kindness though.
1: Oh. I, am. I love you. <laughs> <Carla>. <laughs> Thank you so much for coming on. And I can't wait to talk to you again about your next 10 books. Come back on the Mindful Mom podcast whenever you want. Just let me know. I will come on
0: anytime, anytime. You and your listeners are amazing.
1: I always love talking to Carla. She is a good friend and I love what... Love her message, and I love what she has to say, and I hope it has helped you today, my friend. I hope it has helped you have some more compassion and grace for yourself because this is so, so, so vital as we talked about. Listen, if you love what you're hearing here today and you want to take it deeper, you can. The people I help the most are in the Mindful Parenting membership, and you can learn more about it and get on the wait list at mindfulparentingcourse.com and it's an incredible incredible resource over 500 families 36 hours of live coaching every year which honestly it's the coaching is the coaching makes all the difference just being able to talk to a real person makes all the difference in the world from you going from you know, frustrated and banging your head against the wall and like really getting it and understanding and growing and learning. So if you want to learn more, you want to go deeper, get on the wait list. It's at mindfulparentingcourse.com slash teach. And I will, you'll see me there. I'll see you there if you go there. And listen, I'm hoping that you have a wonderful week, my friend. I hope you have compassion and ease and joy and lots of hugs and someone else cooking you dinner a number of nights this week. <laughs> that's what that's what I'm hoping for you. And I can't wait to connect with you again next week. Thank you. Thank you so much for spending your time with me and with Carla. And I hope I get to see your takeaways. And I hope you, you know, I hope you have all of those, those wonderful things, the, the, the someone else cooking you dinner, maybe even a foot rub, Is crazy time by yourself to read a novel. What? What? Yes, I wish that for you. Thank you so much for listening, my friend. And I will talk to you again next week. Namaste.